0: Yo, yo, yo. What is going on, you guys? It's the best video game podcast, the Sticky Buttons Podcast. This is your host, Brandon.
1: And this is Blake.
0: And we're coming at you with another episode. And first of all, I want to apologize to you guys because I made a mistake a couple episodes ago where I thought the episode was 58, but actually, this is 58.
1: Real episode 58, so to say. And you know what's funny about that, Brandon, is Brandon's apologizing, but it was really me because I make the titles, so... This is the real episode 58. You know, it's funny, man, because we were talking about what was going to happen in 85. But we should have been talking about what was going to happen in episode 58.
0: (laughs) That's true. We could have never guessed what's coming in this one, though. Honestly,
1: I don't think we could have, man. This is a crazy lineup that we have today. So let's jump right into it, man. Are you cool with that? Let's jump right into it. All right, dude. I am going to tell you about this game. And I got to be honest, I've never really played anything like this. It's a totally unique experience that I'm having. And I just think it's so fascinating. So I really want to talk to you about it. Let me ask you, have you heard of this video game? It's called Citizen Sleeper
0: citizen sleeper no i've never heard of it enlighten me what is this video game? Oh my I'm so gosh! so you sound so excited like we were talking I, about it before uh, the podcast and blake was being like so ambiguous he was like don't look at the notes like, <laughs> i just want to be like fresh on this so i'm super curious to hear what blake has to say about
1: this. oh my gosh so right off the bat this game came out this year and i think that this is probably one of the most unique video games i've ever brought to the table and i'm absolutely loving it man But Here's the thing, what makes it unique and in my opinion, like so amazing is what I think would turn a lot of people off of it. So I guess just to get into a little bit, I'm just kind of talking about what the game is and then see if you've ever like played anything like it. And then we'll kind of maybe get into more of the things that make this game super interesting. So this is kind of like playing a board game because it's a video game but it's not confined to a table, like a tabletop. So I just think it makes it like really cool. So that's kind of the conceit of it, I would say, or kind of like the general premise. It's like you're playing a board game, but it's a video game. So it's like not confined to a tabletop and it's actually, it's confined to a really cool setting. It's confined to a space station and there's a lot of text. So you have to do a lot of reading, but there's also a lot of interactions and whatnot and that's kind of like the setting and the gameplay is you as the player have to take certain actions and the outcomes of these actions are decided by a dice roll that happens on screen and some of the actions are just pass or fail and some of them are pass or fail but could have a good neutral or negative outcome associated with it passing or failing so like you could pass Like you could be like, I want to do this outcome or I want to do this action, but this action is risky. Like I could pass it, but it could have a negative outcome or you could pass it and it could have a positive outcome. And then it's like, those are like additions to it. So like you're on a spaceship. So I guess to give you an example of something like this, let's say you're doing work in this space station and you're at a shipyard and you're trying to maybe earn some money like working a shift at the shipyard, and you have the dice, and you're going to roll the dice to see if you make money for that day. And one of the positive, neutral, or negative outcomes could be yes, you successfully worked the shift and get money. They also decided to buy food for the shift. Or it could be like a neutral outcome, which like, yes, you just worked the shift and like you just made the money. Or you worked the shift and you got injured and your energy goes down a little bit and are like things like that you know what i mean so that's kind of an example of kind of what the game is kind of at its concept and that's like the basis of the gameplay so let me ask you have you ever played a game like this
0: i don't think i've ever played a narrative rpg like i think the closest thing to a game like this i've ever played and This might make you laugh, Blake, but I think the closest thing is probably Mario Party.
1: Oh. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's not like that at all. Like, you can see how you would get that because your character's rolling the dice and it is, like, a board game. It is kind of like a video game version of the board game, right? But it's still, like, the platform that you are on, like, the platform that you're playing and moving the character around, like, that is a board. And, like, it is confined by the board. You know what I mean? I see, yeah. But since... And I guess it is like a video game board game, but this is not confined to that. It's like not confined to a board. And I guess, you know, actually, like, I guess you could make the parallel that your screen that you're playing this on is a board and you are kind of moving. So you are moving around the space station and like going to different areas on the space station. And then you can decide if you want to do certain actions on those. So right. like I said, in a sense, it is kind of like that. It is kind of like that
0: ultimately though you are the net like you're telling the story and
1: by your roles kind of yeah so actually I haven't gotten into that but yeah it kind of is because so I said there's a lot of reading and there's a lot of reading and a lot of dialogue and when you meet people and have the dialogue like there's just like this a dope awesome art style like depiction of the person that's talking to you and then you like read through all of this dialogue and then you're like back to the basis of the game which is doing actions and having the dice be these actions and man i've just gotta say the actual like dialogue in the reading is incredible and the art is incredible and the sound it isn't necessarily like a music soundtrack that i would say is super defining but there's a lot of like ambient noise it's like if you were on a space station you would hear this kind of noise. So it's like very atmospheric and really puts you into place here. And this is kind of where I was saying that I think that this is what makes it really unique to me, but I don't know if everyone would like us, is you have to really use your imagination. And I feel like that is something that is kind of lost in video games, especially with you know graphics just getting so much better like you kind of lose that imagination part of it, and then this because it's pretty much all text and like these really cool images, like your mind and imagination have to do a lot of work, and I think that that is really what the magic of this game is. I see. So you you really have to do
0: your part and interact with the game. I do a Pokemon and just press A mm-hmm. for every like character dialogue. You really gotta tune in. But yeah. I imagine it's easy to do that because that's like the game is based off of. So you're just like, focus on that.
1: well, the thing is the narrative of it is an absolutely incredible. And here's the thing, Brandon, there are multiple endings. So it really like what you choose to do in those dialogue, like it really matters. And like, it's also really interesting. So I have to be honest, everything that I just told you was just like a pretense just so you kind of understood the game. And I'm going to be honest, I did not pick it up for any of that. I'm very glad that I did because I actually love board games. And maybe we can talk about that in a second. But that's not why I picked it up at all. I picked it up for the narrative of it, which is just, it's absolutely crazy. And I can't wait to tell you about it. And I think that I wanted to bring up the gameplay and what it was, because I think it's like magical and having like you having to like put it together with your imagination. I think that that is like a really special part of it but that's not really the hook of the game so let me ask you this before we get into that have you ever played like a board game or like outside of video games what's your experience with board games Like have you played any like have you ever played settlers of Catan?
0: i haven't played that game it sounds really badass but i haven't played monopoly okay i love love monopoly i've played the game of life okay that's a good one operation it's fun. I don't know if you would consider that a board game. Yeah, I would say it's a board game. What else? Cards Against Humanity? Is that a board game? That's just I would say so. I
1: mean, it's like a card game, but I would say it's like in the same realm. Yeah, so stuff like
0: that. Yeah, I'd definitely check something out. Something that comes to mind, too, and I know it's not a board game, but Minecraft Story Mode. Have you ever played that?
1: No, no, I have not.
0: Okay. Well, it's like a narrative RPG as well. You just kind of like tell the story by like decisions that you make going through it. It's really interesting. that's what this game kind of makes me think.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is. It's kind of similar in a way. but Also, I just wanted to ask you if you've ever played Settlers of Catan, because that is like my favorite board game. Honestly, it might be like one of my favorite gaming experiences. I just can't believe we haven't. I mean, we're 58 episodes in. I don't think we've ever talked about it. We
0: Yeah, we've never touched that once. Like, that's such Uh, a distinct (laughs) name. I would remember Settlers of Catan. I mean, I've heard it like here and there. But I didn't know it was a board game.
1: Okay. I actually, man, we're going to have to play this game because I kind of knew about this game, but I was doing a bunch of like research trying to find a board game-esque video game, which it's funny because I prefaced all of this with saying that I wasn't really looking for, or this is not why I picked this game up. I was looking for a board game type video game. And I just think it's funny that I picked this up for a different reason. So it's like also like scratching an itch that I was like looking to scratch in like a sense of like a board game, but also, so we'll have to come back to that. Two birds with one stone. I know for real. Yeah, it absolutely is. So this is the part that I think you're going to find most interesting, Brandon. And this is the reason that I picked up the game and it's the narrative of this. And oh my gosh, it's just crazy. Like, and I really hope that I do adjust this. <laughs> so I'm going to, I guess I'm just going to kind of tell you like the basis of the story here. So you play as a sleeper and you are an AI and you know of your creation and that you are conscious and obviously you are not alive, but you still need to eat and sleep. And surviving is this AI is kind of the main premise of this game. And you're also grappling with that fact because you know, that you being created was when a person decided to sell a copy of themselves to a corporation and that copy is you you became an indentured servant slash slave to this corporation and then after you have no idea how long you've been there you started to gain sentience like waking up and you decided to run away from this corporation along with a group of other sleepers and you revolt and escape. And unfortunately the others don't make it. And that's where the game begins. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's really
0: interesting. So yeah, I'm curious to see how that kind of played out in the beginning, like what decisions you had to make.
1: Well, that's like where the game begins. Like You kind of all get that at the beginning it's crazy man it's like I haven't really even gotten into it it's just like the beginning like you're a sleeper and gosh it's just crazy to me because like, I don't know you and me like we're both kind of fascinated with AI ethics but like you play as a sleeper a person that's a person but they are essentially a copy of somebody else and you're just like what I don't know for me personally I no, like, no,
0: back that up said, yeah a person that's a person
1: all right so okay so you're a sleeper that's what the game calls it. you're a sleeper the game is citizen sleeper and you are a copy of somebody else in this world. Let's say me, a person, I decided that I was going to sell a copy of myself, like a copy of your brain. Let's just say a copy of your brain to a corporation. And they put that brain in a robot body and that's the AI. And that AI is like an indentured servant. I see. So it's kind of like, for me personally, I was just like, what would drive a person to like sell a copy of themselves to a corporation. And it's like that person, they get to walk away, but this copy of them, it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm kind of envisioning and it's kind of like this person, and this is kind of like where your imagination kind of gets to take hold. So I'm personally imagining somebody that was in a lot of debt and they sold a copy of themselves you know, this corporation and that, that person gets to walk free, you know, hopefully with some money or some other benefit. But you're also like damning yourself. You are not the version of yourself that's a slave, but like you're damning yourself to that in a sense. That's really interesting. But are you really, though? Because it's not you. But that's kind of the whole thing is that you are not the person you wake up as this citizen sleeper. So now you are the A.I., that's who you're playing as you're playing as the sleeper
0: oh shit so, so you're, you're the ai so you're playing as yourself but as the ai version of yourself that well into slavery
1: yeah it's kind of like i don't know the way i'm envisioning so, I mean, i'm, I'm sh- envisioning it as like two separate entities like it's kind of interesting just like the thought of it but you're just playing as this ai like that's it like you're just the ai it's mentioned in passing that in order for you to be created, somebody had to sell a copy of themselves. And that's how like AI exists, like AI exists only as copies of other people. I'm, oh, man, I just think that's such a cool premise. You know what I mean? Your AI exists only as copies of other people. Yeah, that's what you are. Yeah, you're a copy. But like, it's also like, it's very clear through the text and the dialogue, that, like this AI is sentient, like you are a person. I'm kind of role playing as that, right? Because I'm playing it. I'm moving them around. I decide what they do in their day to day because I'm the player. I'm role playing as the sleeper. I feel like ownership over it because I'm like, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Right. It was kind of like all video games, but like it feels especially here because it's like you can really imprint yourself on it because like this person just woke up in a sense, you know? And like you just know, I don't know. It's just crazy to me. Cause it's like you and all these other sleepers revolted and it's kind of like mentioned in passing that like none of them made it like you're the only one that made it. And oh my gosh, it's crazy. I took a screenshot of some of the dialogue. Let me grab my switch really quick, see if I can find anything that would help you. This is blowing my mind, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like I'm it's like the matrix kinda It is man. It's really crazy. So do you have any thoughts just like right off the bat? Like how do you feel about this? Would you ever do that? Would you ever like sell a copy of yourself to be a slave? It's a really interesting
0: question. I feel like, why not? You know, part of me is like, it's just a part, you know, it's not me inherently, it's just a copy. Mm -hmm. And then another part of me is like, well, if that AI is actually sentient and has feelings and emotions, like that's pretty much a human being. And like, I'm selling a human being to slavery. That has just some ethical things that I'm just like, I don't know. I don't feel right about that. Something about that feels wrong. You know what I mean? But I can't really quite place it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the whole point of it, which is really interesting. So this is kind of why I think I'm connecting with it so much is because the writing is just so good. It really puts you in the place of that. So let me read you. This is actually, I took some screenshots at the very beginning. So let me read that to you, Brandon. All right. The first thing you become aware of is waking in the disconnect, the delay between thinking and feeling, between wanting to act and acting. Minor, almost imperceptible, but always present. It's at its worst when waking, when yourself has spent many hours of darkness trying to recall what it feels like to be real, to be a person, to be in a body that was indisputably yours. A leap into a cold lake on a hot day. The sting of blood swelling from a fresh wound. The friction of a fingertip. All of a sudden, the memories are closer than you ever thought. Blurring as you approach until you can't tell one from the other. The cold slips in, behind and around you. And sensations fade out of reach. Perhaps you should be thinking or thankful for the dull nature of this new body. Given your current circumstances, the walls of the corridor feel immediately present, cold and hard at your back and face, cramping your limbs. You resist the desire to stretch, knowing that the claustrophobia comes next, and retreat to a little form of your central nervous system. It isn't painful. Not like you used to know pain at least. You mostly remember that it wasn't a good plan, that your options were limited. And once you got the itch to get out by any means possible, it was either this plan or something much worse. It was at least simple. Collapse the shaft, drift away in the chaos, slip into a cargo processing, and seal yourself into a container and then just hope the freight left before you were missed. Some were lost in the shaft. Others never found the meeting point. Only a few made it to the containers. But the freight, as far as you know, left. That feels like enough. Enough to know that you might no longer be on the grim, heartless rock. Even if the airless hold of your freight, you might freeze solid long before you reach any destination. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. There's more, but it's just like, it really, I'll save the rest for you. If you want to pick it up, but man, it just, I feel like just that beginning, like it really kind of makes you empathize with them because I think we all like kind of know what it's like to start feeling our own ethos. You know what I mean? Like whenever we're children and we start to wake up to our own consciousness and become our own people, you know what I mean? It, the way that they're describing this ai kind of becoming conscious it kind of feels like that do you know what i mean
0: yeah i know what you mean
1: yeah i don't know that just like that just hooked me and ever since then i decided that i was just going to see more of it and i'll tell you what i have been pleasantly surprised and delighted of like everything that has come up since so <laughs> so that's kind of where the story begins and you're awakened by a scrapper And the scrapper is like the person that is like scrapping the ship that you're on. But like you also, as you just heard, like you were in a freight cargo and like now you're in a scrapyard on the space station. And it's kind of like, how did that happen? And it's also like, how or why is the ship that you are on now getting scrapped? And that's a very big unanswered question. But basically, that's how you find yourself in the scrapyard. And the owner of the scrapyard, they give you a place to sleep. And you're on the verge of dying. So they kind of save you and they give you a place to stay and they give you some work and as you're doing it. So basically you have an energy bar and based on the energy bar, that's how many dice you can get in a day. It's like you can only do, I think you start out with four dice. I think you can only do four actions. And then there's like, you have to give food because there's also like, there's a bar. And I guess like, let's just say there's four dice and there's a four bars on the energy. It's like, if you eat a meal, it'll give you all four energy bars. And then you can, I guess, roll your dice. But as you like go through your day and do your actions and roll your dice, that meter goes down. So you have to eat in order to be able to like do those actions, which is kind of like how like people work. Like you have to eat in order to like actually do things. You know what I mean? right and it's also kind of said in the i guess the lore of this game that because you're you are an ai but like the only way it works is because you're a copy of a person Like you still have to eat and sleep so you basically eat mushrooms and like it's pretty much all you get is like mushrooms and like there's no joy in it really but like you have to eat to sustain yourself and then you have to sleep as well so when you're out of dice the only thing you can do is go to sleep and then when you wake up if you ate the night before or if you ate during the day, or if you did an action and it gave you food, you have like dice to roll, I see, which is kind of cool. And Oh my gosh. And this is like, as you're doing this, like you're working at the scrapyard using your actions pretty much just to get money at the scrapyard. That's really all you can do. But there's this really big bar at the top of the screen, Brandon, and it's like slowly ticking down and the game doesn't really tell you what that is. And it's ticking down. And then you realize that it also lines up with the food meter. And it's in like the same, like the four dice, three dice, two dice. And you kind of see once this bar gets to a certain point, it doesn't matter how much you eat. You can only roll three dice. So basically because this bar is going down, it limits your actions. And you're just like, what is this? And you don't really know. And you kind of explore the space station and you find a doctor. And it's a very cool interaction because (laughs) this doctor's practice is kind of like owned by a gang, right? (laughs) So it's kind of like they help you, but like you have to go through the security of like all these goons. And then the doctor's like, well, you're not a person, but I can help you. And everybody calls you sleeper. He's like, I can help you, sleeper, but I have to tell, like, do you know of your condition? And you don't know of your condition because you don't really know anything. She says, well, I have some bad news for you. And she said it's called planned obsolescence. And she says, because you're a sleeper, you're considered property. And I know that you're awake because you're here and that you're alive, but you are going to die unless you get this serum. And the serum is owned by the corporation you left. And they're the sole proprietor of it. They're the only ones that have it. And they're the only ones that can manufacture it. She said, so unless you get some more of that, you're going to die. And oh, I'm wow. just like, what? Like, this is crazy. That's another main part of this game is that green bar at the top. Like that is. Dude, that just got so morbid. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy, man. And basically she says. You have this much time left. And then then she explains the bar, like, come back and see me. I'll ask the house if they can get you some. And you're like, okay. And you leave and you start working. But now you have this anxiety that you're like, oh my God, I have to get more. So there's also like this mechanic where it's kind of like a wheel. Basically, you can't do an action for a certain amount of cycles, which are days. So like, basically she has like a, it's a wheel and it has four, but I was like, you can't go back to the doctor for four days, like four cycles. And then you go back there and she has some and she gives it to you. She's like, the house was able to get this. Don't ask me how, but they got it. And I can treat you for free now because you're on the verge of dying, but you have to pay next time. And basically you get this full green bar and the space station starts to open up a little bit. And you start to like go about your day. But in the back of your mind, like you're like, how much is this going to cost? Because you can't go back and ask her because it's got the wheel. So you like, I don't know, it's like this anxiety of, oh my gosh, if I don't get this, like I'm going to die and I can't even worry about it right now. Like I have to like explore and do all these things. And oh my gosh, man, it's crazy. Like that's just a crazy crux to the game. Don't you think?
0: It really is. You got to get that serum. And so you have to get it before your green health bar diminishes, right?
1: Yeah. And it's also, so like then once she fills it up, you have five dice rolls, but it also ticks down. So you need more. Yeah. So she filled it up, but it's ticking down and you notice every cycle you lose a tick and you have a lot more ticks than you do of like your meal, but it's still, it's like every day it's ticking down and like you can only make so much money in a day and a lot of times you have to choose whether you're making money or if you're exploring or doing like fun options and it's like it's not fun to work at the scrapyard like to spend all your dice on the scrapyard or to like you know see if you can get food for the next day so you have more dice so it's sure. kind of like you really have to like balance that out and it's also you might wake up and you might have one action that's so basically it's like five and sixes. If you roll a five or a six, you're pretty much gonna guarantee to get that action. And if it's like a three and a four, I think it's you probably, but you might get a negative, or it's like you might not pass or fail if it's like a one or a two. So it also like kind of gives you the probability of what kind of dice you're gonna roll, which is also nice. So it's not just like a clean roll, it's like, you're probably going to get a higher option here, you know, depending on your dice. So you really have to like plan it out. Like what action do I need to get today? Which one do I need to? And then it's like, which ones can I risk it on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man. It's crazy. I still have some more to say, but I think we should take a break and come back to this. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you in a sec. I'll see you sleeper.
0: And we are back for another cycle.
1: (laughs) Love that, man. But dude, let me ask you, how does that sound? Like, do you think you'd ever pick up a game like this? How do you feel about, like, I guess what we talked about, the planned obsolescence and I don't know, like the bleakness of it and having to decide like what you're doing?
0: It sounds really, really interesting. I think I would definitely pick out something like this because I don't think I've ever experienced anything quite like it and I'm super curious. I love the concept, the planned obsolescence. I couldn't help but think about that, you know, planned obsolescence as a business tactic and
1: kind of made me get a little mm-hmm. I think that's the point, man. Oh, man, it really, you know, it's interesting, because I you don't know, for me personally, I'm somebody that has like a degree in finance and economics. And I'm very critical, you know, of our society and our economic policies and capitalism as it exists today and in our culture but it's really kind of I don't know at least for me posing questions of ownership and like these consciousness like you specifically and like property and these kind of business concepts that I've never had to think of in this kind of way in life you know what I mean
0: I know what you mean You never had to think about it from that perspective. Yeah. But it's, like I said, dude, it got really morbid. Because it's like,
1: you're literally (laughs) losing your life if you don't get that serum in time. Yeah. And it's crazy, man. Because it's also like kind of implied when you talk to the doctor that she's like, don't ask me how they got this. Like, I don't even know if they'll be able to get more. Because like that corporation owns it. She's like, it's also like, people probably died to get you that. You know what I mean? That's kind of like what she's saying. Like, certainly crimes were committed to get you this, but you don't know the extent of it. You know what I mean? Right. It's also really heavy. And I think that's important sometimes, you know, especially in video games. Like, I think it's... Yeah, to kind of
0: just make people think. Yeah. I feel like it just gives you that factor of, like, thinking. And Mm -hmm. I really like something you mentioned about, like, the imagination part, like, how your imagination plays a huge part. Mm-hmm. and tracking with this title and uh, i curious to see how that plays out for myself just checking out a title like this especially like the concepts that are being talked about like you know we could go into we could go into a rabbit hole on the podcast and talk about all those all those <laughs> things for hours man because it's really tough stuff and you know when it boils down to it it you know it just comes down to money and people's like
1: insatiable greed for it yeah and that's crazy that you bring that up I actually, I'm going to come back to that, but really quick, kind of on something you had said right before that, this game, like in your imagination, I think that that's what would turn a lot of people off of it because there is a lot of reading. And in video games today, we're always like the highest fidelity. What's the next gen going to look like? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for the next big game that pushes the boundaries of this graphics card. You know, and sometimes like, It's nice to take a step back from that, but also, what does this do that that can't? And like, ask that question. It's also like, we don't need that. Like, I don't need every game to be the next, like, biggest, most bombastic thing because it's not interesting to me. I feel like that's exhausting. I've seen a mountain, like a mountain vista of a fantasy land, and I've seen it like a bunch because everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's the thing that got people here no like it's not i mean it's cool that it's there i love seeing that but like that's not why we're all here and i think that with this plan i think i talked about like the anxiety of the plan obsolescence and like you having to make sure that you have enough food and like you don't know how much things are going to cost right like it's so hard to get money the actions that you're taking like the physical role of the dice have so much weight Because you can, at max, have five, and then you know you're only going to have four, and then you're only going to have three, and then you're only going to have two, and then you're only going to have one. And for me, it really puts into perspective like the weight of it, the weight of your actions. And to kind of come back to it a little bit when you had said about like greed, I haven't even touched on this yet. But you are not the only person on the space station and you meet so many people and it is just so abundantly clear that everybody is struggling and they might be struggling just as much as you. Yeah, they don't have this planned obsolescence. And I think that's just like what's so crazy about it. Is shit's bleak for you, but you are just constantly introduced to people that it might be more bleak for them. Like you in the situation that you're in aren't <laughs> sympathizing and trying to help out other people. And I'm very glad that this happened to me very early on. I got prompted to help somebody out. And they were like, hey, you have the skills to help me out here. I don't meet many people that have the skills that can help me. If you give me like a hundred credits, I'll be able to get my next contract and I'll be able to, to like get a contract so that we can get work. I can feed myself and this person that works for me. And then if you work for me, then we might be able to like save this operation. I'm based like they're basically asking you to pay money for you to work for them for then like maybe you'll get a return of it. And so maybe they can scam me. and that's like one of the options. No, you don't have the money to risk it. You could be scamming me or it's like choose to trust, have faith in this human have faith in humanity basically it's like what the options are and i decided to trust them and like oh my gosh i really am sympathizing with them and like i just think that they're a really interesting character and the person that they work with is very interesting but it's also kind of like this person that works for them is like a teen also like it brings in teen angsts and it's like i don't need this teen shit and drama i'm trying to survive here but it's also then they like say some things and you're like, oh my gosh, they're really going through it too. The shit's bad for everybody. And then, like, oh my gosh, like it is just absolutely crazy the depth that it goes into. And there's multiple endings. So like, obviously you can choose your own adventure. Like if you decide not to trust that person or honestly, there might be an invisible dice roll that like maybe you could have chosen to give in them stuff and they might've scammed you. At the moment, I have not actually gotten anything back from them, <laughs> but I have worked on that project, that contract. And it's actually crazy. I'll get into this a little bit. Basically, she got the contract with the money that I gave her, but then they lost it because I didn't help them. I was about to die and I needed to like go see the doctor and get more of my STEM. And like they ended up losing the contract because I didn't help them out. And he's like, yeah. The team came and was like, yeah, it really sucks that you couldn't help us out. You really could have been the one that could have saved that last project, but it's so on to the next one. We got one more chance. if like, This is it. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I was just trying to survive. I had one dice roll. I could not help you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, it's crazy because also what was going on right after I gave them all my money, pretty much <laughs> this bounty hunter comes after me. And like, also I don't really consider the spoilers because there's multiple endings like you choose like how you decide to handle things like this bounty hunter comes and I try to convince the bounty hunter to let me live he's like you're a property of this corporation they hired me to bring you back like i don't care what happens to you i'm just here for the contract i don't care at all you are literally their property it says so right here i tried to fight them i lost I don't know if there was like an invisible dice roll, but I think it's like, if you choose to fight them, I think you lose. And then like, I tried to run with the handcuffs and he like caught up to me and then like hit me and my stim bar went down. He basically did real damage to me in the only way that matters to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was just like brutal. And I kept being like, try to convince him to let you go. Finally, he's like, all right, I'll let you go sleeper, but you have to pay my bar tab. You've got 13 days. Let's see how much of a bar tab I can rack up in 13 days. If you can pay it off, we'll just see how that goes. But if you can't pay off my bar tab in 13 days, I'm taking you in. And that's going to pay for my bar tab. Wow. So I'm just like, oh my God, Like now I've got this to deal with. Like I've got this shit, like this bounty hunter is coming after me and I have to pay him. He's not even off my tail permanently oh my gosh that was so hard that part right there like i was about to die i just gave them my money to like help them help these people out and now i had like a full health of stem. but then this bounty hunter like came and beat me up and now i don't have full health anymore and it's just like oh my gosh it's crazy and then like i'm going through this and i finally like get enough to pay off this bounty hunters tab So, I'm basically just working this whole time. Like, I'm only working and worrying about food. And then I like go to pay off this bounty hunters tab. And this is where like I get confronted with some real choices here. And I think that a lot of people could take different options, but I basically paid off the tab. And like, there were like ways I could have confronted them about paying the tab, but I just paid the tab. I was like, I'm going to be submissive here. I don't want to like, I need my health. I can't yeah. risk it because they really like did a dent to me last time. So I just, just submissive. And then like, they escalate the situation. So it's like, you could have escalated it through the dialogue, but then they decide to basically they get distracted and like you get presented with and Like they're being a menace to the bar. It's also like everybody in the bar is booing at them. Like they're clearly an unpopular figure at this bar because they've just been living there for 13 days you know like i'm sure they've been obnoxious and you basically get their gun and then they're distracted and it gave me the choice like take the shot and kill the bounty hunter and i was like oh my god dude like am i about to like commit murder in this game like am i about to do this what, what would you have done brandon I would have slammed him out, no cap. I would have wiped his nose. What do you mean? Blake? he did me dirty. I know. I did the same thing. I decided oh to pull god, the trigger. Oh my god! I was joking, Blake. What? I know. I know. I know. I know. But here's the thing, Brandon. I decide to kill. Also, like I'm sitting here in my bed with my switch. I'm just like fuck it like I'm gonna do it man like it just presents you in a way it's like are you gonna make this decision and I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna kill him and I pulled the trigger and it says nothing happens what yo you got me the edge of my seat right now I know and the bartender looks at you and like holds up the clip and it says with sad eyes shows you that he disabled the gun so this guy was like so drunk and belligerent at the bar that the bartender took actions against the bounty hunter so he couldn't hurt anyone. And then it's like, you're about to like, he's hurting you and you get the chance to like make things right for yourself. And then the bounty hunter takes like the God. empty gun, <laughs> throws it at the bartender and like says, this is an oversleeper and like leaves the bar. And like oh. You don't know what happens next, but he's out there. Oh, my gosh. So, did you
0: pick up the gun that the bartender got whacked with?
1: (laughs) No, he was gone. He said, I'll be back for my gun.
0: He just threw it at the I don't think he
1: hurt the bartender, but, I mean, it's up to your imagination, I guess. Up to interpretation. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh, man. I was like, how did I go through this? It was a work night, and I was like, it's 1 a.m. I normally go to bed at, like, 10 or 11. I was just, like, on the edge of my seat, like, playing this, because, like, so much was going on, and... Oh my gosh, dude, it it's crazy, and it really evokes like I don't know the most human of emotions that I've I've ever felt playing this game. It makes me question so much about my ethics, because like here I am, man, I'm at a low point. Oh my gosh, and it's just like it really makes you think like, what would you actually do?
0: Now for real, Blake, I learned something about you in episode fifty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something about him, guys. <laughs> Hey. Blake will really slam you out, man. i <laughs> <with> Blake, man.
1: <laughs> hey man. It's a doggy dog world out there, man.
0: <laughs> oh man. Citizen Sleep, oh. dude. This sounds like a crazy title. So is it just on the
1: Switch? I think it's on everything. But okay. yeah, I'm playing it on the Switch. And you know, it's an indie game. You know, we love champion Indian indies here. Honestly. I think the title's only like 20 bucks. That's cool. So It's certainly worth picking up just to see if it's for you and there's multiple endings and I don't know for sure, but I think that there was an ending where I never even made it to the bounty hunter. It was really hard for me to get that stem like the first time and the second time. And I don't know if it's ever going to get easier to get those. I might just like think if I get some bad dice, it might just be over I'm like, I think that's part of the multiple endings. Like, I don't know. I think that could be it for you. Well, that's part
0: of the ending. Like, yeah, you just don't have any more. And now you can't play anymore. Like, that's you know, crazy.
1: Oh, my gosh, man. I will say that is one of the most intense video game experiences I've, I've had in a while. Check it out. Citizen Sleeper. If you're interested. Oof.
0: What a title, man.
1: Yeah. Don't tempt me with a good time at a bar. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, imagine the bar tab you would rack
0: up in New York City like that. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to think
1: about it, man. <laughs> 14 days in bar. like That's more than your rent, my friend. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If you're a New York native. What's the most expensive drink you've ever gotten? Most expensive drink I've ever gotten? It's
0: hmm, a good question.
1: I guess I'll go. I I would say the places that I go to that I eat at normally – I would say that the cocktails that I normally get, so I also like, I do drink beer, but like most of the time I get cocktails. I would say most 18. of the cocktails I get are like 18 to 24. I would when say I that's the, about the that's range. The
0: but you know what's crazy, Blake, is I'm over here thinking about like an exorbitant number, but you're right. Like 18 to 24 is like insane. I'm thinking about experiences I've had at like run-off places like Sugar Factory or something like that, or mm-hmm. where drinks are like upwards like a hundred bucks because they put a bunch of stuff in, and find all types of things but like cocktails yeah 24 bucks i was just at this restaurant spunto recently with a middle school friend shout out to my friend muhammad he probably he probably listen to this episode yeah drinks were like 15 bucks that's pretty good it was nothing crazy it was just like vodka and like some lemonade yeah definitely, that's the thing man that's it like that. cost a dollar like nothing to make the drink and they sold it to me for like 15 20 bucks and i get it they gotta pay rent rent is insane yeah that's crazy man i think that's one of the main things that's like crazy about this city like i've heard so many stories about just rent and just shitty landlords and yeah man new york real estate is a deep it's a it's a dungeon
1: yeah it really is man i don't know for sure but i always wonder just because they i'm sure that you knew this but they like preserve the New York City skyline in a lot of neighborhoods. Where, like, You can only like you can't build above a certain floor because they want to preserve the like Friends aesthetic that they have on like the transitions and friends, six story walk up kind of vibe. Like the colleague, like the brick, you know what I'm talking about? Like the fire escape on the brick. So you're muted. I don't know what you're talking about. Have you seen have you seen Friends? oh yes i have seen friends and it's like the transition screen where it's like the six-story walk-up the the apartment that they're in it's like we're talking about
0: their fire escape of that apartment
1: yeah like that aesthetic where it's like the fire escape and like the bricks and like the six-story walk-up yeah they preserve that like the skyline of that they keep that because there's like laws in place so that that is like preserved in a lot of different neighborhoods and i think that I don't know. This is just me. This is Blake's opinion on New York City infrastructure. They preserve that historically. They preserve that to keep that aesthetic because that's what people think of when they think of New York. It's not necessarily what I think of New York, but like what other people think of when they think of New York. And I just think that I'm like, all these buildings are so old. These buildings are like pre-war building. It's like before 1942, like all these buildings were made. I'm just like, if they just like went away with that, I think it would be such a better city because they'd be able to build new infrastructure to like accommodate the modern times. I don't know. That's just me. That's just Blake's speculation and opinion on New York City infrastructure.
0: Yeah, I definitely think you're right. And I remember I did an internship with a general contractor way back in like 2016, and it was really really cool. They did. Are you familiar? With, I'm sure you're familiar with general contractors, right? Like. Mm-hmm. They do and yeah. mm-hmm. we would see like all different types of buildings but something that was really cool were, like the historic buildings mm-hmm. like you cannot touch those at all they have to remain exactly the same yeah. and I, I think that might be what you're talking about like yeah mm-hmm. like 1942 like you mm-hmm. can't do anything yeah. and it's like if we just tore that down and made like some more efficient
1: construction which we totally can like one more people could live there but it's also like it would be a better place for those people to live in as well. And it would be more environmentally
0: friendly, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. It would yeah, be better and, and cause less pollution because we have newer technology on, in there.
1: I think this might be crazy for people, but like, like if you don't live in New York City, but they have like energy ratings. They'll like come and slap a rating on your building and it'll say like how efficient your building is. I've basically just lived in D's. I don't know about you. Yeah, I haven't had anyone energy rate my home in Queens. Oh, uh, I guess you don't live in an apartment building, though. No. But I know. I'm that, sure your colleges have them. I'm sure they're. The I'm sure,
0: yeah, they do. I, I see them walking around that when I go to school, I see like the energy ratings on the doors of the building. I see it sometimes in the Upper West Side.
1: That's
0: mm-hmm. interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: It's interesting that we're doing that and, and we're taking some measures to kind of
1: mitigate the yeah. damage. It's interesting because, I mean, like I said, a lot of these buildings are, like, pre-1940s. Like, there was one in my old neighborhood that I could see from my window. They clearly heated the building with coal. And, like, you could see them. They would, like, every hour or so, they'd release the chimney. Like, the literal coal would go out. And and it's also, like, the building just looked... Oh my gosh. Well, I'm trying to think of what the aesthetic is, but it's like the aesthetic of like the 1920s where it's like the really thin, like futuristic letters. Do you know what I'm talking about? Think of like the great Gatsby and like that kind of architecture. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was a building that like looked like that, but was probably done in like the early thirties, late twenties. And it like looks pristine because they've kept it up and they've got like a parking lot and rich people live there for sure but it's like you're powering your building with coal like come on (laughs) it's so funny and thinking about that people
0: with Teslas who are like oh I'm doing such a good thing for the environment and then they're like charging their Tesla at home that it goes right to the main line that's powered by coal and it's just it's ironic and you know the last administration we had in wanted to put more coal and they did succeed in you know bringing back coal which apparently made this country, great. I don't think it's that efficient. I think <laughs> nuclear energy is is pretty efficient.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Especially if it's computer monitors. Mm-hmm. I feel like nuclear energy is the future, man. Yeah, it absolutely is, and it's so much safer. Like if I guess I don't know. I mean, we're on a video game podcast. Like if you want to do some research, I mean, you know, we both met working in Patagonia, so we're very passionate about the environment. But yeah, do some of your own research, but. Maybe we can speak to it another day. But absolutely, like, you know, nuclear is the future. And I guess one last point on that. I think that in the last decades, it has become a lot easier for nuclear power plants to come about. And I don't know if you knew this, Brandon, but the process to make a nuclear plant used to take 50 years in the not so distant past. So I guess like in this past decade, it has gone from like 50 year application process to like 20.
0: Wow dude that's impressive I'm glad to see that and I hope it's kind of like a Moore's law kind of thing where it just keeps Mm -hmm. on speeding up and we just get better
1: yeah and like to be clear it's not because it takes more to do that it's just because the United States legislation made it so that it was in order for a nuclear power plant to come online it is a very lengthy process I would say I'm more knowledgeable than the average person. He's one of my neighbors growing up was a nuclear engineer.
0: That's so fascinating. That's one of the jobs. When people ask me, like, what kind of engineer I want to be, sometimes I told them nuclear because I think nuclear is really cool. But ultimately mechanical, I think is what mechanical is where my heart lies. But nuclear is right there, man. It's so fascinating. And it's the future. Mm -hmm.
1: It really is. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, maybe we should talk about this in a future episode. Maybe we can check out like... A, <laughs> I think they have some like simulation games where you manage a power grid or something. Maybe we'll have to check those out.
0: <laughs> For sure, man. But speaking of like simulation games, Minecraft, I've been playing a lot of that, dude. Yeah?
1: What have you been doing recently?
0: So my buddy Andre, who tunes into the pod pretty all the time, shouts out to Andre... If you're listening, to, uh, he started out a realm called the Bikini Bottom and it's <laughs> just him and his older brother and some of his older brother's friends. And man, we've been kicking it out there, man, and chilling. The bikini Bottom. The bikini <laughs> Bottom. And yeah, dude, just I kind of found a village recently and I've been trying to uh, bring it back because when I found the village, it was right by a raid, a pillager home, kind of, or pillager castle rather. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with what pillagers are? I'm not. I was about to ask. Pillagers are a mob in Minecraft that they were added in kind of one of the later updates. And they carry these like flags and they kind of look like Squidward in the face. But they're built like villagers, if that makes sense. Okay. What are they called? Villager mobs? So they're called pillagers. Oh, pillagers. Think of like pillaging. Because that's, yep, that's literally what they do. They go to a village and they pillage. And they kill all the villagers. And they take all their crops and then they go back to their respective castle. And so, you know, I found this village after it had been raided twice. Oh gosh,
1: they got the weirdest noses, man. Yeah, that's what, what I'm the saying. Heck? They got like. What is up with them. this? <laughs> <laughs> you almost
0: want to hit them with your sword. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I came to this village. They had gotten raided twice. And so it's completely distraught. Mobs are everywhere in this village. There are no more iron golems to protect it. So, you know, I got to replenish. I got to restore it and bring back some villagers and, you know, make it a a lively place again. So I've been working with, you know, my colleagues at the Bikini Bottom and (laughs) we're, we're getting it done, Blake. And Minecraft, it's fascinating how I can always go back to this game and just find so much fun and be able to pour hours and hours into it such a great game and there's always more to explore there's always more to do and i always feel it's almost like programming in a way because it's like i know that there's these so many great things that i can do but like in a way you gotta like practice it you know what i mean like you can't Mm -hmm. just like think about those things and minecraft is the same way like redstone they're really cool redstone applications and there are these super cool chests called shulker boxes that you can get but you have to go to the ancient city and uh, defeat a mob called a shulker in order to assemble this shulker box. And oh my gosh. the reason why you'd want a shulker box is because it gives you extra inventory space when you're on the go. It's really Oh, cool. wow. That's so, really cool. useful. Yeah, it's a super cool box. Yeah, there are so many things I can go on and on about, like, the different things that there are to do in the game. And it's really on you and kind of bringing back, like, the imagination thing we were talking about in the first title dude you have to have the imagination to really play minecraft like people are like i don't get minecraft like i don't know what there is to do and that i don't know i feel like that tells me a lot about the person Mm -hmm. not to like make you know not to be (laughs) negative but like yeah you gotta be be creative you have to just come up
1: with things to do for yourself you have to let your mind kind of fill in the blanks a little bit and like i think that with video games right now so much is explicit And, you know, I think it's kind of funny. It's kind of interesting, like, that Minecraft still has this wide appeal. And in my mind, it kind of proves that it is the game and, like, the narratives that you tell yourself. Like, it's it's all of it together more than just, like, the graphics of it all. And because, like, if you think about retro games, like, they're little pixels, like, they're boxes. Like, they're little boxes on a screen. And when you, like, go to Minecraft, it is still pixel boxes in a way they're just like big 3d boxes and that's the world and it's crazy man it's such a sandbox and when you were talking about it i don't know kind of just like what i was thinking about was like you really are an engineer in this world you know what i mean like i can jump in and i can play minecraft but like and i can have a good time and like i can make a farm but like you as somebody that's spent so much time in it and I just feel like you just understand it at such like a different level. And you said it was like kind of like code and it's like, I'm sure that you could create a contraption or like do something that like I've never even seen, could never even have conceived of with like, just cause you're familiar with like the physics and the engine and everything that's in it. Like it kind of becomes like a sandbox or like the more time you spend in it, the more familiar you are with it. No, for sure. It, it totally is like the biggest sandbox and it is, it definitely
0: has inspired so many great other sandbox games and I feel like Minecraft has been an inspiration for so many things. I can't tell you the number of different applications I've heard of for Minecraft like architects use Minecraft to help them sometimes like rent you know just think about things and as a little like modeling thing that's like more creative and different from what they're doing in a way yeah I definitely see the engineering aspect kind of bringing back a, a game I mentioned earlier Minecraft story mode. That actually is one of the characters, is an engineer. You have an engineer, you have a, I think it's a chemist, or a person who knows how to make potions and and knows all about enchantments. You have like the kind of soldier archetype, the person who, you know, is all strapped up with the armor and has all the golden apples and, you know, the enchanted swords and tridents. And, so there's so many different avenues that you could take and you can master so many different facets of the game because there just are so many it's so fascinating it's kind of like skyrim in a way because it's like Mm -hmm. there's smithing and there's like alchemy and there's you know all these different things that you can choose to explore if you want to or not you know sometimes i even till this day i kind of get upset at myself that i'm like i feel like i'm very surface level and this is something i have to deal with like as a person like even it's even bigger than just minecraft like i feel like sometimes i don't go as in-depth into things and i'd like to go more Mm in-depth and i definitely feel like minecraft is one of those things where i'm like kind of still at just barely scratching the surface of things really you think so yeah even as detailed as i'm going bro like i don't know man i I think that you're in the
1: you're in the upper echelon i would say no for sure i agree but
0: like it goes so much deeper bro and i'm only able to see how deep it goes because of how far
1: i've gone have you heard of the Dunn and Kruger effect, like the Dunn and Kruger curve? I think that's like basically like your expertise on a topic.
0: Yeah, like, like versus
1: your confidence. Right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. feel like we are at the complete opposite of that. So yeah, it kind of it goes like when you first started something, you have a lot of confidence, but not a lot of experience and knowledge. And then as your experience and knowledge grows, your confidence goes down because you realize how much you didn't know but then it kind of like comes back up a little bit, but your confidence never gets as high as what it was when you were in the beginning. So sometimes like, if I'm like, if I'm in a situation where I don't have a lot of confidence, I'm like, I have more knowledge than I did when I you know first started. So I'm just like, just do it, man. But I feel like you're on the other end of that where I'm like, Oh yeah, I can build a farm. I'll be honest. I have no idea what like half you said. I don't know what a golden apple is. What the hell is that, Brandon? I, didn't, I, don't it. I don't know. Do you eat that? Do you eat those? Do you feed those? Yeah, so sheep? what happens
0: with the golden apple is if you, you need nine golden blocks, so you can make a super golden oh, apple. Oh, sure, sure. A, su- a super golden apple.
1: <laughs> wow, I definitely have heard of that one. So the
0: regular golden <laughs> apple gives you like a buff to your health, and then the super golden apple gives you like the buff times 10, essentially. Wow. Okay. It's an essential part of fighting because if you're about to scrap, eat a golden apple, and it's like a hit of I don't know a stimulant. It's like a stimulant. Okay. You're gonna get in there, and you're definitely gonna, know you're gonna mess them up. Especially if they don't have one either. But that's like only if you're really into like the combat and you understand like what it takes to fight in Minecraft. Okay. But like as a farm thing, like you can make an automatic farm with a couple of redstone repeaters and.
1: I, I don't I don't know what that is either.
0: And it'll See, be- I'm
1: telling you, man, you've got way more knowledge than, than
0: I. You could even <laughs> collect the thing. You wouldn't even have to touch your farm. All you'd have to do is play and you can walk away and leave it an AFK. And you could just collect, have your farm like automatically go into a chest. Damn.
1: You mean like your farm with like cows and stuff? That too. You could make an automatic farm. Oh God. I don't even under. want to think about that. Like that, that makes mob. me feel bad.
0: I, yeah. Sounds like real <laughs> life, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i don't know about that
0: automatic mob grinder where you automatically kill the mobs spawn them and then kill them it's Dang. super cool
1: yeah well hey man i think you might be a jack of all trades and master of all of them as well so i don't know i think you know more about that than you're leading on but mm-hmm. let's take a quick break and talk about some more minecraft in a sec awesome see you soon. all right we are back and i don't know about you Brandon, but i found three golden apples back here Apparently, I'm only a third of the way to a a super golden apple, but I got three. Dude, three is all you need. That should be enough to take on some pillagers. I've heard they've been plotting on you, Blake. You've been at the village. You know, they wouldn't find much in my crates, if I'm being honest. And actually, I I have something to confess. I have something I need to get off my chest, Minecraft related. God, I feel honestly, I feel a little bit embarrassed. And I know you've talked about it a lot, and I have a buddy Kyle, and he's talked to me about it a lot. I have no idea what redstone is. I don't know what redstone is. I don't know what it's for. I said it. So, (laughs) dude, redstone is basically
0: ore. It's a naturally occurring ingredient. Spawns at really low levels in Minecraft. You really got to get down under the earth. You really got to dig down there to get some redstone. And when you find redstone, you can't mine it with a regular cobblestone pickaxe. You need to use an iron pickaxe, and that's the same with diamonds.
1: Okay, so you can't get redstone or diamonds with a cobblestone. You need at least an iron one?
0: Right. You need to upgrade your pickaxe in order to mine redstone and diamond.
1: Okay. And you can find the iron ingots, right? You can find those. And then you put those in your oven, right? Right. You have to smelt them in the furnace.
0: Okay. um, And then you make your ingot. And, you know, the ingot is a lot easier to work with than the raw ore. But you could also take raw ores and make blocks out of them, too. You know, it's, it's up to you. So the ingots help you make armor. You can make tools. Something I've been making recently with my ingots are lanterns. So instead of just regular regular old torches that are a bit of a fire hazard, especially if you have a wood home, Mm -hmm. you can make a lantern. Basically, you have to take an iron ingot or rather, is it one? No, I think it's three. And you have to tear them down and make nine iron chunks. You can make like little pieces out of your ingots. Mm -hmm. And you put those around your torch to make the lantern. Okay. Nine of those. Around your torch, and you make the lantern. And wow! I love the lantern because you also have a chain that you can make and hang it from the chain, and you can make the chain as long as you want. Oh, that's cool! It's a super cool feature that like I wasn't used to because I've been playing Minecraft on consoles from way back when they first released them on the console. I'm super excited because I love Minecraft on the PC, and it's just nice to see all these features that you could find on the PC version but they're all finally here on the console and it feels so nice that i can experience that on you know the platform that i want to so
1: yeah that's awesome man i didn't really know that there was a difference
0: yeah dude there's a huge difference up until microsoft purchased minecraft do you remember that purchase i think it was back in 2018 i do i do remember that it's a huge deal because they kind of put everything together and made it more cohesive for everyone now i can play like i can get on my bikini bot i can join the bikini bottom realm from my pc version if i wanted to or from my switch on the go or even from minecraft iphone edition Mm -hmm. you could play realms that's kind of the service that they put it under it's realms and you can make a server or join the server yeah man minecraft is where it's at dude honestly i'm kind of underestimated how much Minecraft really means to me. And I think when you find something in life that you really like, you got to hold on to it because it's like, it's inherently a part of you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, I guess just really quick on the Microsoft Minecraft, it looks like they, Microsoft acquired Minecraft for 2.5 billion. And which doesn't sound a lot in today's dollars, but I think it was one of the largest, gaming acquisitions to date. And you have to think this was not a company. This was just an IP. And I there's an article that I found and it says Microsoft announced this is the most successful acquisition to date.
0: I can see why. Um, Honestly, it's a yeah. steal for a couple billion, a couple 40 million.
1: Yeah, but you have to think too like kind of what you said, like it wasn't that when they bought it. It wasn't that. It wasn't what it is now. Like they put so much into it. It wasn't
0: what it is now, but like to the people that played it like minecraft Mm -hmm. is one of those word-of-mouth games you know like it sells itself
1: yeah i actually man one of my earliest i guess experiences with minecraft was not necessarily me playing it It was hearing about other people playing it it was at a time when it, it was on pc and i didn't have a pc i didn't grow up really playing video games very much like i had the nintendo consoles but I don't know. I wouldn't have never considered myself a gamer. And I had some people, I guess, in my Boy Scout troop and they loved Minecraft and they would always like we had these charity events. They were called like newspaper drives. And basically, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. (laughs) My Boy Scout troop would like rent this. Oh, my gosh. What goes on the back of a semi truck? I'm totally blanking. Like basically the thing that they haul like a semi truck, you know, I'm talking about like the storage container. Don't tell me they would, like, have a Minecraft truck. Oh, no, 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 this, no, no. (laughs) That's where my brain was going. Like, they literally
0: took the truck, they put a bunch of computers back there, and they started playing. No,
1: no, 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 no. (laughs) That would have been really cool. Actually, that would have been very on brand for them. But basically, in this, what we would have, it was called a paper drive. And the Boy Scout troop would rent one of those, like, one of those semi truck trailers that's what they're called semi-truck trailers i don't know why my brain couldn't think of that but basically and then we would show up there and we would work in shifts and people would come and donate newspapers and we would throughout the course of a day like we would be taking these newspapers and we would fill up this whole truck full of newspapers and then i think we would make a certain amount of money on the recycled newspapers and but we were also like it was a lot of work But we also, like, we were just boys and we were waiting for, you know, people to drop off newspapers. So there was a lot, I mean, generally we would fill up pretty much the most of the truck, but there was a lot of downtime to chat. And a lot of times, like, there would be some of the older guys that they would just talk about their escapades in Minecraft. And I just remember hearing about this one, I have this in my mind, it's very vivid. And it was, they had made a farm for pigs. And then they created like a stair step, like down to, oh my gosh, what's it called? Where it's like the lava area. It could be the nether. Yeah, the nether. They made like a stairway to the nether. I think they had like a pen where they had like pigs and they would make pigs. And I think that they had like a, I'm trying to think now, what it's called, like a trap door. And they would like open the trap door. It seemed like they were making zombie pigmen. Yeah. And they would just like see what happened, like see how many pigs would fall down. And they would like just watch this happen.
0: Because what happens when a pig goes into the nether is they become a zombie pigment and oh my gosh. A zombie pigment. <laughs> I didn't even know this. <laughs> dude, they gang up, bro. Like you hit one zombie pigment and all the zombie pigment turn their head and they just start chasing you. But there's one catch. If you have gold on, you happen to have a piece of gold armor on, you. they don't mess with you. Wow. They love gold and they worship you. They think you're like a god or something. Gold or gold. What? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. Oh my god. You can actually trade with them too. Uh, if you give them a piece of gold, you just drop a gold ingot. They'll pick it up and give you something after you've given them like enough pieces of gold.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Now that I know that, that is for sure what they were doing. I'm sure they even made like a second staircase where they, with glass, so they could see these pig become pigmen. Oh, oh my wow. gosh! I'm sure that they did that. I'm sure that they definitely played it enough to have a gold helmet, and I'm sure it was a helmet, and I'm sure that <laughs> they had a cult of, of pigmen.
0: Oh man, Minecraft. See, the, the things people get up to, like, I would have never thought of something like that, but that's, it sounds really fun. It sounds like you could have a blast with some friends and spend some time just watching pigs turn into pigmen.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to me that Like, I still remember that all these years later. You know what I mean?
0: It really, you know, it stayed (sighs) with you because it's like something about a game that you played and it just, like, touched you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there are things about Minecraft that I hear people do, and I'm still fat. Like, I'm just like, how did you make that happen with the game? I don't even think the creators of the game, like, intended for that to happen, but somehow it happened. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: You know, they're actually, I will say one thing on this. I have this author that I really like. I loved their books when I was a kid and I follow them on Instagram and they posted a while ago about how there was a community of people that, and they basically, they made a series of four books and it was a high fantasy series. And I don't know. I thought they were really awesome. I guess they were called the the inheritance cycle i think that's what the name of the books was called yeah it's called the inheritance cycle it was i think it was four or five books i think it's by christopher paolini have you heard of these i have not the inheritance cycle yeah so you probably wouldn't even recognize it by that because that's what he named it at the end of it but basically it was like The Aragon series, which is like, it basically had like a blue dragon on the front and there was Aragon and Eldest. And I think there was then Brisinger, then Inheritance. That was the name of the, I guess it's four books. So four books in their inheritance cycle. Anyways, it's basically like a epic high fantasy story. I don't know. I would definitely recommend it if anybody's looking for that. It's, I don't know. It's probably my favorite of all time. Read it as a kid. Listen to the audiobooks a couple of years ago. Anyways, he posted on his Instagram, and this community of people had made in Minecraft the entirety of the land that is in this like fantasy novel, which wow. is it's called The Land of Allegasia. And they had made all the cities and all of the places to a T, right? Yeah. And like some of the cities were like to scale. And I'm just, man, maybe I should jump in that because I think they like made it like a community yeah dude hop in there it's probably a mashup pack
0: i wouldn't be surprised like, oh there, man there's like a mashup pack or, or something there
1: yeah maybe that
0: makes me think about a, a project that's really cool there's this mm-hmm. minecraft earth project that minecraft earth right and there are people trying to build a scale like a scale minecraft world of our
1: earth essentially oh my gosh yeah and it's that is crazy that's well, one that's a crazy undertaking because that would take forever oh my I, gosh that's like a project that people could dedicate their lives to i
0: think they like went in the back end and like scraped google's api and like looked at the code it's like because you can also get into the code of the game on the computer and mm-hmm. commit, you can do cheats and like, so i think that's what they did they're not building like one for You know, they're not looking at like, okay, now let's build Sweden. You know, like I think they're having computers render.
1: Oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. I was gonna say they would never get that done. Yeah, that's what I'm
0: saying. (laughs) Made now.
1: I was gonna say also. I was like, I mean, hey, I guess that's part of it. Like, it's therapeutic, you know. Maybe they'll get half the earth.
0: (laughs) Even the fact that we can like do that and that there are people doing this is like just speaks to the game then what you can do and the level of creativity you can have
1: and yeah that's really cool i know there are some like some star wars packs i wonder i guess i don't know do you know if any of those like star wars packs that you can get like do they have actual places from like the star wars universe in those packs and you can like get those locations and actually
0: star wars is like one of the main like even microsoft has had star wars texture packs like they have really oh, supported man. that because they know the fan you know that people are gonna buy it people are gonna put the. Minecraft, on
1: might buy it i mean you know, like i kind of knew it was a thing but i didn't texture really know. packs like mashup packs oh, where like the whole game
0: mode kind of switches it's no longer just the minecraft that you're used to like the game kind of changes in a way oh
1: wow like the mechanics and like what right, you can do right. in- oh, shoot. and oh the way the
0: world you know interacts and it's
1: so much you could do with
0: minecraft and that's why i was saying like 40 billion for minecraft i mean ultimately at the time it wasn't what it was but like man it's an idea that can make so much money
1: oh my gosh wow yeah i mean that's it's crazy i mean it's truly a sandbox wow i mean i haven't really played it since we had that minecraft realm but man maybe i should jump back into it
0: yeah, jump back in the realm. That realm is still active. I never stopped paying for it. Oh, really? Wow. I still hop in it till this day. Actually, I do have bad news though. I replenished it because I had some bad apples that were griefing. Okay. I, I don't know what that means. I had to completely restart the world. Griefing means somebody came in and like was stealing out of chests, burning things down, like just messing things up in the server. Wow. I guess that's what
1: happens when you make it public to everyone.
0: <laughs> yep, or it could have been Herobrine. Brian. Have you heard the Minecraft legend of Hero Brian? Herobrine. Brian? Hero Brian.
1: H e r o b r i n. Hero No.
0: Hero Brian.
1: Oh, Hero Brian. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. B r i n e. So I think Hero Brian is like kind of like a legend. Like no one's really sure if Herobrine actually exists. He's like a rumored mob found in Minecraft.
1: Oh my gosh, this is spooky. I'm Googling this right now.
0: Yeah, and apparently he's the creator's dead brother. So the creator is Notch. Notch created Minecraft and some Swedish guy, and his dead brother is apparently, like, haunting the game. I don't know. It's oh my gosh,
1: this is... A cr- bunch of different theories, but... It says... Okay, let me read this. Let me read this. It says, Hero Brian is a human entity with the player skin of steve unlike steve his eyes are completely white with no visible irises or pupils oh my gosh hero brian is a rumored hostile mob found in minecraft he is the center of endless speculation i don't know man that's crazy i never have heard of hero brian it could be haunting on your roads bro
0: wow so i guess what's the legend about him so basically the legend is that he's haunts worlds. Like he chooses to just go into random seeds. So they're actually like Minecraft seeds that are every single Minecraft random generation of a Minecraft world is different. Right. But there is a number to identify that. Think of like a social security number for a uh-huh. generation of a Minecraft world. So there are seeds, known seeds where Herobrine will exist, where he exists. And basically what he will do, he's a mob, like a skeleton or a zombie. What he'll do is he'll lurk around and he'll mess with you. Like, he'll steal blocks. He'll break things. Like, if you're in an area where you're about to die, like, you know you can fall into that pit of lava because you're, like, mining. It's really gnarly. He might just hit you and you'll fall into the lava. He's like a troll that was, like, built into the game by, basically it was a, a Mojang employee that... I don't know. He, he got upset or something. He wanted to put like make his revenge. He put him into the game, and they removed him. Like he's officially not a part of the game. But there are seeds where he still does exist.
1: Oh my gosh,
0: that's like crazy. And he's a legend. He's a myth, man. Hero Brian. I'm glad I got to got to put people on to him.
1: Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm reading some stuff about it. it I I gotta stop. I gotta click away. It's really spooky. yeah there's a lot of like creepy pasta stuff don't look into that oh my gosh yeah i'm a little bit spooked i'm just i'm scared that hero brian's gonna come into our recording he's gonna curse us like gengar brandon stop
0: listen why did you dude why'd you bring up gengar
1: i don't know dude he could be honestly he could be the one that's messing with our realm
0: it could very well be
1: Hero brian although Mm. i i do know someone who is responsible
0: for messing with our realm so they're probably in cahoots with hero brian Hey, I
1: wouldn't be surprised, man. I wouldn't be either. That's crazy. Honestly, you learn something new every day. Actually, that's really cool. I'm really glad that I learned that and we could talk about that today. But if you don't mind, do you mind if I move on to the next game on our topic? Our next yeah. game let's
0: on our docket.
1: It. That's the word I meant to say. Yeah, let's go for it. All right, man. So I'm just going to speak about this game briefly. This game is called Roller Drone. And I got a preview of this game, it was 35 minutes. I streamed it and I put it on our YouTube. So if you'd like to see, you know, the first 35 minutes of Rollerdrome, you can find us on our YouTube and check out the whole 35 minutes that I got. I kind of break down my first thoughts and impressions on that video. So I won't really get into that today, but I just wanted to kind of shout it out a little bit and give you a little bit about what the game is. So go check it out there on our YouTube. Also We've been streaming a lot recently and we've been uploading all of those to our YouTube. So if you haven't checked out our YouTube in a while, there's a lot of stuff there that you can watch. And yeah, just check it out. I'm <laughs> um, the roller drone. Have you heard about this game, Brandon? I haven't. Okay. So this game is incredibly sick. And I say sick and I mean sick, dude. It is sick. <laughs> so basically the conceit of it is you are a hero and you have roller skates and you're in a skate park kind of like tony hawk and you do a bunch of sick tricks and you have guns and you have to shoot guns and it's super awesome it feels great it's actually by the developers of ollie ollie world which we talked about earlier in the year
0: shout out to them
1: yes i think it's a roll seven i think they did it in tandem with another studio I don't remember exactly what the name of that is, so to check them out. But basically, they came to Ali Ali World, developer slash publisher. I think it's Roll7. And they... Here, let me look that up, actually, while I'm looking at it. Yeah, it is called Roll7, and they're published by Private Division. And let's see, I think Rollerdrome is the same. Yeah, so I think for Rollerdrome, the developer is also Roll7, published by Private Division. So they kind of worked in tandem here. I was looking for, I thought there was something else. But, you know, I think that there are some like maybe an IGN story or something out there about the development of this game. You should check it out because it's really cool that they put a game out in February that they had been working on for a long time. And then this also comes out. And I just think it's like, it's crazy to hear about games from the same developer coming out in, like in one or two years, but it's even crazier when they come out in the same fiscal year. So it's a very cool story around the development of them. So check that out. Look at the internet for those. That's very cool. But basically, man, it's just a crazy, awesome game concept. And basically it's in the not so distant future. The year is 2030 and it's complete dystopia, man. And basically you are playing in this blood sport and you've got roller skates on your feet. You have to make it through these levels and defeat the house goons. And they are kind of owned by a corporation. And basically you have to, I guess, get through this like roller sport arena in order for you to move on to the next one. And it's like a blood sport. And it's so cool. Like the locomotion of you being on your roller skates just feels incredible. Like it is just so awesome. It's so sick. Definitely worth checking out it. Definitely check out The YouTube video, I mean, like, it's really cool just, like, going through that. And it was kind of fun because I played it very differently than how I normally play games. I normally like to, like, read the dialogue. And I was just like, no, like, we got to go through. We just got to push through just so I can see as much of it uh, as possible. And it has a very unique art style. Would you mind Googling the art style and just taking a look at that? of roller drum just so you can see it?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. See the artwork. Kind of reminds me of Speed Racer a bit.
1: It's really cool. It's kind of like shell shaded and pastel, but it also like really pops. And I guess this, the art style, I really want to shout it out because it's Mobius inspired art style. And I think that this art style gets miscontributed a lot, but there was this artist, this comic artist that went by the, the name Mobius. I think he had his own studio or his own publishing company, Mobius Designs, I think. But yeah, it's in the Mobius art style which I just think is an incredible art style. I really like it. And I would say it's in my top two favorite art styles. So at least, well, I don't know, maybe not top two, definitely top three favorite art styles that exist. So it's like super awesome to have that art style, but also being paired with just like a cool game and just like a sick concept. Do you have any questions, Brandon, about like maybe the roller skating or the gunplay or anything like that? Yeah, so you're
0: shooting guns on roller skates.
1: Yes, and I guess I missed something. You have, like, a time freeze. It's like when you aim, it slows down time. So you can be, like, mid-trick, freeze time, look at an enemy, and then just, like, absolutely light them up while wow, it's still well, – while this time is still frozen. Dude, that's sick. Super awesome. You well, can make
0: some crazy clips with that. i that
1: oh yeah it's so much fun and it's just like fun it's fun to watch it's fun to play that's just fun to be a part of it so at this point i've only done the 35 minute demo but i'm probably gonna get this game in a month or two when i have some more time and i'm just so excited to play it because that was just like the perfect little tease i'm totally gonna bring it up again but man just very cool and something you can check out on youtube
0: i'm excited to hear more about it I yeah we check it out on the youtube Definitely streaming some more Blake. So I'm curious to see what's up with that. Yeah.
1: Well, do you have anything
0: else that you wanted to talk about? You know, I think I was going to talk about Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shadow
1: Pearl, but I think I'll save that for a future episode. Yeah, we should. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, we can't end the podcast up It's season three. We can't end it quite yet, Brandon. We have to do the 3DS game for season three. <laughs> One of our standing segments in season three is we bring up a 3DS game, and I wanted to bring up the original Ali Ali game to the table. Have you played the original Ali Ali?
0: I have not. The OG Ali Ali, so it's just Ali Ali. It's not Ali Ali World.
1: It's not Ali Ali World. It's just Ali Ali. So Mm Ali Ali World is the third entry, and they had another one. It was like Ali Ali Two or something. I, I don't know. It started with the 3DS a 999 indie game and it was all about the locomotion and i guess the 3ds has a, a unique form factor right brandon i think it's not the first handheld to have a joystick but it certainly has one of the most unique joysticks on the 3ds because it's like built into it you know what i mean
0: right you're talking about the left joystick yeah like, yep. dude i think mine has gotten so kind of like old and it's just so weird now, but I remember when it was in its Prime, I would just, mm-hmm. like, flip that thing all around in a circle. And yeah, like it was so easy to move around.
1: Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. awesome. And it's kind of, like, it's different than a joystick because instead of, like, having it be, like, a pendulum, it's sliding. It slides around. Right. And it's
0: very satisfying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the whole premise of Ali Ali is it's built for that kind of joystick and i kind of credit Ali ollie, ollie world and i'll credit roller drone with this as well they made these games very accessible Ali Ali world and roller drone like you can get through an entire i guess level of Ali ollie, ollie world with just an Ali and a grind which are some of the most simple tricks that you can do they're literally just a flick of the joystick and you can get through it and progress through the level see the whole level and continue on with the story with just that. Or you can do all kinds of tricks and flips and grinds and grabs, and you can just do so much stuff, but you don't have to. And in roller drum, it's kind of the same where you can't really mess up a trick. Like you do the trick and then you land it. And like doing the trick refills your ammo bar, which is also kind of cool. Check it out on our YouTube. But in Ollie Ollie, the original one, it was the opposite, Brandon. It is excruciatingly hard. And I have beaten it. I have seen all of the levels. Like, that's it. There's so much more that I could go back and do. But it is, it is hard. It is very tough. And one thing that you have to do in this game, but they took away in the other game, is when you're going through these levels. So it's a 2D skateboarding game. And you kind of slide the joystick on the 3DS. And it feels so good. It feels so satisfying to slide from trick to trick. But you have to hit a in order to land the trick or to land the grind so like let's say you hit a jump and you you flick the joystick or you do a sick combo by sliding the joystick maybe 360 degrees or maybe 180 degrees and back that's how you would do a trick and then you're coming up to pavement you have to hit a at the exact moment that you land or you lose the whole trick so the ollie ollie games were awesome i mean it's awesome because i mean like you really have to like get good at it and it's very satisfying when you do get good and when you can like pull off a really sick combo in this awesome pixelated art style which is also worth mentioning that like Ali Ali has a very pixelated 2d art style and Ali Ali world is very much in like the adventure time kind of art style but you have to like be really good at it and it's very satisfying to get good but it's also like it takes some time and like it can be a little bit frustrating. And I think it's really awesome to have, you know, the first entry in the in the franchise. I guess at the time it was only meant to be, you know, a standalone indie game. Like it's a franchise now. And I just think it's so cool that it like started as this like grueling hard thing and is very specific. Like it's a very specific want, you know, like a two D pixelated skating game that feels amazing, but is really hard to turn into In my opinion, the most successful and the most accessible skating games, and I just think that's awesome that it all started from there.
0: Ollie, ollie. So it seems like the OG is like a real challenge. Like Ollie, Ollie World, they kind of realized like, okay, we need to make this game like a little easier for people.
1: Well, I will say it's, and I think what's so cool about them, Roller Drone, and actually Roller Drone, I think is a little bit more difficult than Ollie, Ollie World. You have the difficulty like there are six challenges for each level and if you complete all six of those challenges like it's hard but you don't have to. I'm like you get rewarded with like cosmetic options like ways you can customize your character. So it feels awesome when you're like oh my gosh I am going to beat these super challenging combos and I'm going to get this awesome hat or this awesome skateboard or like this dock and it's just like You don't have to engage with that but if you want it to be hard you can do all of that so there's actually and then you can also get a star next to the level if you complete it without bailing which is like crashing so like there's technically seven challenges that you can do per each level and there are i think there's like over a hundred levels So like you can really go as far into it as you want and those challenges if you do all of them it's very difficult but you don't have to. So it's like you can engage with it at your own skill level, which I think is really awesome.
0: I see what you mean. So it's like, it's up to you if you you want to just all lead through or if you want to like, still, still kind of the same premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like kick flip, do a trick, make sure that you get a combo that is has 18 tricks in it instead of, you know, just ending every trick you know, at one. Yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is there anything
0: that Oli Oli has that Oli Oli World is lacking?
1: The 3DS joystick. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah, I would say that it pretty much iterates on itself in a better. I think it becomes better as it moves on. The series has progressed in, and I would say a positive way. Okay, this is what I want to say. It's iterated on itself. I would say at every turn to get to where it's at today, and I think it's incredible where it's at today. But it's just very interesting to see those roots. So if you have a 3DS still, check it out. I think it was only $9.99 a little bit ago. Surely it can't be that much now. But I think that's all that we have for this episode. Do you have anything you'd like to add, Brandon? No, I
0: think that's about it. Definitely check out our YouTube and check out all the videos that we have up. Also, stay tuned. We got some streams coming for you on our Twitch. We put those under all of our episodes
1: yeah absolutely check us out there and mean the world to us and thank you so much for listening you know where to find us it's in the link in the description and just thank you so much thank you to all our patrons just thank you so much and i hope you enjoyed the episode
0: peace in the streets